0: Welcome back to Your Best Year Starts Here. And um, I've just had an idea, Nigel, saying I think we should talk about. Your best year starts right here. Your best year starts right here. Perhaps the best is this one. Go for it. I think we should talk about having a personal manifesto.
1: A personal manifesto what a creed something we should work towards totally and i think so my fetish for PVT wasn't good enough
0: well you know if people don't know what you're talking about there they probably need to go back and check out the last episode
1: well they should i'm not going to repeat it
0: no but my i think what i'm trying to say is you know if we think about having a vision we think about having values and stuff like that how much do we how often do we actually write that stuff down like for ourselves you know, very often we'll do it in our business because we want to communicate it with other people. But how much do we do that in our personal lives? How much do we go, this is actually who I am. This is what I stand for. This is, you know, I want everything to be in alignment with this. Because we might know it, but it becomes much more real when we put on a sheet of paper.
1: Well, that's really interesting. So my old business cards, because I've gone a bit too animal-fied now. So I give different animal cards to different people. And my title is Chief Zookeeper. But on my previous business cards, my mission statement, my my manifesto, was on every business card. So my mission in life is to inspire and empower people in the organisations to live their life to the fullest. And it was on every single business card so I could say to people, this is what I stand for, and the and if you don't think I'm inspired and empowering you, tell me, and then I will change my card. Yeah. Because I'm all about those two key words. I'm sure I could make it prettier, but my creed... My manifesto is if what I'm doing isn't going to inspire and empower people and if this podcast doesn't inspire and empower people and if my books don't inspire and empower people and the seminars I run, then I need to be thinking, should I be doing something different? Yeah, why am I doing it? I mean, I don't do after dinner in the normal sense. I do it for a few clients of mine that know me, that allow me then to do some weird animal stuff and I sometimes might be a little bit naughty on some of the words that I use but it's on par with what my core subject is.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But I don't do after dinner in the normal sense because that's just not who I am. Mm -hmm. Now, there are after dinner speakers who are brilliant at what they do that wouldn't want to go the self-esteem route during the day because that's not who they are. Yep. So my creed, and maybe there's some other words I should add to it about love and togetherness because I believe when you're together with a group of people and you feel... In love and you love people, then life works. There are people listening to this right now who think they've just joined the funny farm, I'm sure. <laughs> but, but it's true that, you know, if you inspire people and you empower people so they live their life to the fullest through love and togetherness, things will change. Yeah. It, it, do you I mean, have a
0: creed well it's interesting because i i think you know this already but for anyone that's listening that doesn't my business cards all have three words written on them which is on the opposite side from my details which are constantly empowering others so just like ceo doesn't it it? is ceo because i actually think ceo needs to be redefined you know being a chief executive officer what does that really mean but being a true leader and empowering other people Makes a lot more sense to me, you know. Um, and I have, a, I have a big issue with the word boss, actually. You know, very occasionally I will use it myself, but I don't like the word boss because to me, boss is about control.
1: Well, that's why I talk about you're either a leader or you're a manager. Do you know the difference between a leader and a manager?
0: Give me your definition.
1: So you lead people and you manage things. Yep. So you can't inspire chairs; they they don't care. Yep. They don't care who looks after them. They just need to be moved. And you have a facilities manager because they look after reception, toilets, stationery, whatever, and their job is to manage that process. But if it involves people, you are a leader because your job is to lead them to success, yep. to empower them to greatness. So I'm often saying whenever I hear they're an HR manager, I just want to throttle them. They're an <laughs> HR leader, yep. You know, and I'm the leader of my dog, and. Dogs have a pack system because there has to be a leader. Yep. You know, it, it's not a surprise. There's no, no, there's no dog manager.
0: Nope.
1: You know, no, there's no one going. He's the manager of the pack. Of the pack, they're the leaders of the pack. Yep. So, it, so we go back to millions of years. The animal world tells us everything. Yep. So you know, we are leading the revolution with our podcast to get people to be inspired, to be empowered, to have one conversation at a time and all the other stuff that we do. We're not trying to manage them.
0: No. And, I mean, again, you know this. I've spoken about this in previous episodes, but I think it's important to say it again. I actually think when you empower someone, it's by putting them in power. I-N-P-O-W-E-R. You you put them in power as themselves. And what a lot of managers try to do, or bosses try to do, is force someone into something they're not. You say, I've got this thing that needs doing. I've got these people. I'm just going to make these people do this thing. But what if they're completely the wrong person for the thing, you know, and they've got amazing strengths that they could add massive value to your organization if you just actually understood who they are, what makes them tick, how to communicate with them, all that kind of stuff.
1: Well, that goes back to personal needs. Completely. So yeah. So if you knew people's personal needs and you knew their communication style. So sometimes you got the right people on the right bus, but in the wrong seat. Exactly. And then sometimes you've got the wrong people. Exactly. On your bus. So going back to all, when I spoke about the focus and the you about unload, sometimes you need to unload people. Yep. And sometimes you need to unload things. Yep. And everyone who's listened to this podcast, if there are people there that you don't feel you can inspire, empower or engage with, you've got to let them go. Yep. And if you don't let them go, you're just as responsible as the people themselves. So don't complain about people not performing. If you're not willing to empower, inspire, empower them to do stuff, they need to go. And let them be a terrorist in another organization.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's interesting. I mean, I don't know if I've spoken about this in an episode before. If I have and you've heard it, then I apologize. But I, when I'm on stage and I'm talking about kind of different types of client. My belief is there are three types of client in every business, okay? There is your A client, and A stands for avatar. An avatar is your ideal client that's fun to work with and spends money, okay? So they're profitable to your business, and the people in your business enjoy working with them.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: that. Then you've got your B client, and your B client either spends money or they're fun to work with, but not both. And B stands for beware, Because if you've got those kind of clients, they're going to be a drain on your business in one way or another. You know, if you've got the client that spends a load of money, but every time anyone in your office takes a phone call from them, they're swearing when they put the phone down, that is draining your business. It's draining your resources. And ultimately, it's going to cost you more than that person is spending. Almost guaranteed, right? So for every B client, your question, the the flip side to that, by the way, is the client that is loads of fun to work with, but they never actually spend any money. So they come into your office, you know, once every week, have a cup of tea with you, whatever, but they do business with you like once every seven years. You know, they're draining your resources in a different way. Um, and it doesn't feel like such a drain, but it is, you know. The question to you ask yourself with every B client is, are they coachable? Can they become an A client? Or actually, are they someone that's going to become a C client? And C stands I'm for? I'm
1: slightly worried what C stands for. Is it clean?
0: See you later.
1: Oof. I was getting worried there. I was getting worried there because we've got young people listening to this podcast.
0: As in, I don't want to deal with you, right? And I think it's really important sometimes to go, this is just the wrong client. I don't don't want them in my business. I need to fire some clients. I need to let them go.
1: So we've obviously spoken about me de-hiring clients.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: So you're lucky, Neil. You just made it this year. (laughs) You You know, We were looking at whether we were going to keep the podcast or let go of something else. And, you know, we finished the book. We're keeping the podcast going, but there'll be two clients who I'm not going to work with in 2020 that I worked with in 2019. Yep. And the joy of knowing I'm not going to work with them again, and I'm not going to mention who they are, uh, but it's really key to my team that they just are drains, and it's not fun. Yep. So it's not fun. It's a drain. They pay late, and, and it's a waste of my time. But every single person should dehire. Two percent or two clients every single year, so that you can spend that time and energy on your top two or three percent. Yep, totally. Yeah, we've always known about the 80 20 rule,
0: totally. But also, I think it's important with the 80 20 rule to realize that you know there's another 80 20 within the 20, you know, so the the top 20 percent, there's a top 20 percent of the top 20 percent. Look, if you think about
1: English premiership football, yeah, exactly, you've got 20 clubs in the premiership. You want to be in the top four because at least it gets into Europe. Yep. You don't want to be in the bottom three because they get relegated. Yep. So being 17th or 16th or 15th is pretty cool because you're in one of the best leagues in the world. Yep. The game is, if you're 17th, can you get to 15th? Yep. And, and so I often will speak to my clients and say, if we can't be in the top four, we definitely don't want to be number 18. Exactly that. There's not that much difference, by the way, between 16 and 6.
0: No. I know. I know, and being from Southampton and a lifelong Southampton supporter, not that I want to draw sport into this really, but, you know, having been in a few relegation battles, shall we say, you know, those one or two points makes the world of difference. But if they had the time
1: and the effort and the energy to really create the time, they would perform better on the most important games. You know, what's quite interesting about the English Football League, they play friendlies they then play internationals if they're good enough. They play the Caraba Cup, the Karimba Cup, the Carlsberg Cup, the Milk Cup. I mean, <laughs> they, they play so many matches. Yep. And what's interesting is that if they just played their 38 games and they had fit players on the pitch, they'd be remarkable. Yep. So one of the things that I spoke about not that long ago was that when Arsenal Football Club were performing at their best, Do you know why they're performing at their best? Tell me. It was all down to their physiotherapist, Dan Lewin, who is the English physiotherapist. He would get the players back onto the pitch quicker than any other physiotherapist in the league. Mm -hmm. So they had a great person in their team that could spend time on their key quality players to get the best players on the pitch. Mm. When he left, their position changed literally overnight. So it goes back to things we've said in other episodes. Which people are in your support club? Which people are supporting you to give you the best chance of success? So I'm blessed that I've got five or six people who make me look good. Yep. You have to do it by yourself. You can't do it alone. You have people who are going to help you with your book, which should nearly be out,
0: Neil. It might be by the time that people are listening to this one.
1: By the time they're listening to it, who knows? But if you have the right support system, and you have the right coach, and you've got the right printing, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, there's a good chance. Doing it on your own won't happen.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And I think the other thing, just picking up on your Arsenal analogy, there is sometimes less is more, right?
1: Exactly right.
0: You know, which goes back to what we talked about at the end of last year in terms of having your focus, picking a small number of things, and doing those things to your best, of your, best of your ability, rather than trying to do everything. And at that point, I'm exhausted,
1: and it's time to close off these episodes. Yep. And I hope you've all had a fantastic, fantastic week. We look forward to seeing you next week. Please leave us a review. Please share it with your friends. And if you want support either at the Total Truth Letter or you want support about coaching or you want Neil to create a podcast for you and your team, Let him let us know, and we promise to be one of your supporters to make you have your best year ever.
0: See you next week.